Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Sheer Clarity. Jay Kevin McHugh here with another awesome episode, this wonderful podcast. And there's something that I want to do because even though I feel the episodes are awesome and we enjoy them and they're fun and we try to keep them lively, I've sort of had some opportunity in the last week or so with a couple of my clients who are facing personal challenges in their personal lives. And I've actually had a couple of my own. We may have referenced them in the past. I think I talked about my knee surgery quite a while ago. But right now, it sort of raised the question for me, what happens to a leader who is carrying a giant bucket of personal issues and they have to come into the office. What do they do with it? How do they roll with it? The second part of that is, is what if the leader is depending on a crackerjack team of super productive people and then something comes up and we notice somebody has terrible news about a child who's had a terminal diagnosis. I mean, not to be overly dramatic, but it actually does happen. So what do we do with it? So that was kind of on my heart, and I just thought we would talk about it. I'm sort of dropping this on my producer, who I have to introduce. (laughs) As you tend to do. (laughs) Yes, I tend to do. So I was thinking, Matthew, with what I've just said, I'm content to just have this episode unfold. We could talk out loud with it, and I'd like your reaction to it as you're hearing me sort of lay it out. And the last thing I'll say before I have you chime in and and say hi to everybody is that I do have a heart for this when I'm in the field and doing my work. I have many, many clients with whom I can end a phone call with, I love you, and it's real and it's true. We make that connection. So I've had a couple, I've got quite a few actually who are in that category and a couple of them have recently had some challenges and I sort of want to just talk it through, and maybe as a practical matter for my listeners, the audience, I hope you would benefit by maybe having the ability to have these conversations at work yourself, because it's an elephant in the room of a different kind, right? Everybody knows something's happening with someone, or maybe it's happening with you. So let's talk about it and see if we can give you some ideas how to navigate this territory. And with that, I will welcome to the microphone my good buddy, Matthew Passy. Hello, Kevin, and good morning to everybody listening today. And it's an interesting topic, and I have always been surprised at, at how this goes. As someone who works for himself and who has a team of freelancers and has worked in the corporate setting, I've seen from many angles, what it looks like when a person is in crisis, but the job still has to get done. And I think if you have built up the right team, the right 
camaraderie, the right relationships, the right community, which we've been talking about the last few episodes, if you show that you are genuine in your empathy towards everybody else, then most people are going to rally, pull their weight, and make sure that the person who is in crisis can focus on said crisis and not have to worry about the day-to-day minutia of work or whatever is going on that they can handle what they have to handle. It does take some time to build that kind of relationship, I think, in the office. I can spring right off of that. I've done some corporate governance training and I've been a director. And one of the terms that is used in corporate governance that's established by the CEO and the C-suite team, it's called the tone at the top. And it's basically pretty much what it said it is. It's what is the tone in every dimension and category that is set at the top. It's sort of another way of talking about the culture. And a culture of caring has to begin with the primary leader and the people who work for her or for him. And that caring sets that tone and then it becomes clear that this is an organization that absolutely cares about people and can set aside whatever the imperatives of the current moment are about the business and what the business needs to succeed and run or solve problems, those can be set aside and heart space is turned and devoted to anyone in our team, anyone in our company who's struggling, who's having a problem, who's carrying a burden or a load. And I'm proud to say that all of my clients have some degree of that in one way, shape, or form. I'm thinking of one client in particular where the owners are super duper intense, right? And they drive an intense agenda and the tone at the top is very fast paced, very fast moving. We got to this, we got to that. We have a lot of issues. Sometimes we self-inflict those issues, right? We do them ourselves, but they're getting better at it. But what's true is that the people who know them also know they are people who care. So they get it. So while on the one day they might be raising their voices and sort of yelling about something and their hair's on fire, they at the same time, actually, as people get to know them, they realize that they're people who care about people. So that's the tone in that organization. But what happens when you, the leader, are the one who is dealing with a wound? What if you're the leader and your marriage is under stress, maybe coming apart, maybe moving to the ultimate divorce and all the things that go with it. I mean, how do you come to work and how do you carry yourself and how do you lead in the midst of all that stuff? What do you do with it? Do you just fake it? Do you just hide it? Do you just disguise it? And so, Those are the kinds of questions that people muscle through. They try to deal with it. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but if you're the tone setter and you're the one that's gone down, the question is, now what? So I'd be curious. I mean, you worked in the corporate arena yourself for a number of years, and now, like me, you're on your own. We're doing our own thing. It's not like we have a team of people who are going to bring us the pats on the back that we need. We're sort of self-sufficient in this. But I'd be curious is what's coming up for you, Matthew, as we're 
sort of opening up this topic for the audience. The interesting thing is what's coming up for me is that I'm getting text messages about my son bopping his head at school and having a nice big bump on there. And so we're literally... Oh, there we go. There we go. And it's not a crisis. It's not a massive, huge deal, but it's... But, you know, we can stop right now. No, no, we will no, be okay. It's just funny that we're talking about this and these are the text messages that are flying in front of my phone right now. As a owner of a business that I run myself, and yes, I do have some people that can help me out. I think I struggle as a leader to have everybody in place so that if there was a major crisis, I could literally just walk away and know that the ship is going to be That's exactly run well. right. There are certain things I know I can rely on people to do, but I'm still that gear in the machine that if I'm missing, none of the other gears are going to turn. Let me jump in right now. So here's to the listeners. I want you to hear what he just said, and I want you to reflect on your own world. If you had the kind of life tragedy, challenge, difficulty, which required your immediate attention, and you said, I have to leave, how confident are you that people who work with you and for you, above you, alongside you, and below you would come to you and say, go take care of it. We got this. I'm going to repeat it again. As a leader, how strongly do you feel? How confident are you that should you need to go take care of some business, you could tell your team and walk away because the priority of your life has shifted from making this quarterly forecast to visiting somebody who might be in a hospital who's a close family member. You just are out and you just have to let it all go because life has changed. So from an exercise standpoint, it's not a bad idea to ask and be honest and look in the mirror and say to yourself, like Matthew, who just said it perfectly, am I confident people will take care of business? And if there's any doubt in your mind, that's a great opportunity for you to stick around and ask yourself some further questions. Have I had my head down way too long driving at a high rate of speed to get this business to kick ass and do all the things that we're supposed to do? And have I been head down moving so fast that I am not taking the time to cultivate the kind of caring that would give me this comfort that people could take care of business? No, it's an important question. It's an important question, not only for the top, the head honcho, you know, where the buck stops here, but it's an important question for that person to be able to say to all of their subordinates as well, if number two through 12, whatever, in the hierarchy has to walk out, is their team prepared? Are their colleagues prepared? Can people jump in? Is everybody trained and sufficiently read in on other aspects of the business well enough that they could slide right in? and get it done. It's a very powerful part of any of the military training. And these are stories I don't have the military experience, but I have lots of clients who do. And one of the things that I notice absolutely categorically in military training, even the lowest ranking people 
in a unit are actually taught leadership from day one. And I did have a guy tell me, as a practical matter, it's possible in some battle, in the early phases of battle in the chaos, the top two or three people in the command structure are injured or even killed. And the next thing you know, you've got 10, 6, 8, 12 guys standing around going, now what? This boss, that boss, they're all gone. What are we going to do? And they're trained to go, what's the mission? Let's keep moving. And they just step in and take on. It's maybe not as dramatic in the world of business, but you get the idea. Right, because it doesn't have to be a catastrophic personal situation. What happens if, you know, number three gets another job and walks out the door? That's exactly right. The other thing that I think this brings up is to what extent should a leader share or to what extent should any employee share what's really going on? Do you say, I have a personal problem and I have to leave and I need a day or two off and that's the end of it and we're all supposed to go, sure, no worries. That's not my favorite idea. I would like all the leaders who are listening to this to ask themselves a question. If one of the people who works for me is having serious challenges at home, do I believe that they would confide in me? Am I the kind of leader who's made it clear that I do care, that they can share with me what's going on, and that I care about what's going on, and that, oh, by the way, I'm the kind of leader who will say, take whatever time you need to take care of this. We got your back. It's a great question. And I think we've even spoken about before, very recently maybe, the fact that if you have that open, honest relationship, if you've cultivated a culture where you're not just showing empathy on the surface, but genuine empathy, then, yeah, your people should be able to come to you and say, hey, boss, listen, you know I'm 100% behind us and the mission is important and the job is important and what we're trying to accomplish is important, but I'm dealing with something right now that is stressful and it's impacting my work. And if, like you said, if you've built the right relationship, If your people can come to you, you should be able to turn to them and say, don't worry, take care of it. We'll be waiting for you within reason, right? You know, you don't want anybody to abuse that privilege. (laughs) Now you just named the other side of this coin because there are very tough conditions for leaders when somebody's situation takes them away from work on a more permanent basis. And suddenly the performance factor is really, this is where you make your money as a leader. When you're placed in these horribly challenging conditions where, okay, I've got somebody who's got a very ill child or a very ill parent or something's happening. They're the primary caregiver and they're going through a protracted period and they are out. They're out. They can't come to work and it might be weeks. It could be months. What a horrible dilemma for a leader who says, oh my God, I need a person performing this work. They can't. Or We're giving them a chance. We're going to let them work from home. We're going to let them work from their laptop. But the productivity and the workflow and the things, they're just not happening. This is where it gets really hard. And this is where the heartbreak of being a leader starts to take shape. 
You got tough decisions to make. These are judgment calls, pure and simple. When do I have to make an alternative decision about somebody who's out of the game for a while, out of the game for a great reason? How does a company walk that fine line between being extremely compassionate and caring and at the same time having to face the compelling realities that we need the performance and the productivity from this job function. And I said this to one of my clients, there is a cost to compassion. However long you're waiting for somebody to improve or perform or pick up their end of the bargain or sort out their personal issues, there's a cost to this. There's a cost to our performance, a cost to our productivity. I have some clients that I think have too much compassion, right? They wait too long. I've had other clients who will have compassion, but the compassion might actually be hiding or delaying a decision about somebody who's not performing more because they don't want to admit they made a bad decision. So it gets interesting, right? Like the cost of compassion and whether it's real compassion or whether it's hidden compassion or compassion that masks something else. You know, I have one other thing that I think uh, throw out here on this topic. As leaders, people who are performing, people who are driving, there's one other thing I notice. They are not good at letting people help them, letting people hold them. Now, let me say that again. If you're in this category, people who are high octane, super dominant, bold, confident, pushy, challenging, aggressive, assertive, the people who are making things happen and getting things done almost by nature are not good at receiving love and placing themselves in the hands of others to be cared for. Does that make sense to you? I think so. Here's what happens. When you're performing, part of your performance is also your safety. I'm proving myself. How do we know? Look at what I've done. I've moved the needle. I have accomplished this. I've climbed the mountain. I met the goal. I beat the deadline. I crushed the target. The kind of energy that actually produces those kinds of results, that energy itself blocks its opposite energy, which is peaceful, compliant, accommodating, non-aggressive, passive, and all of those things are associated with some degree of vulnerability. And so super high performers, their outward movement of energy and moving agendas and getting things accomplished will block them receiving the actual reality of love and support and being whole. And sometimes if you've heard the expression, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, that's where it comes up. It takes a real crisis to take a big, super productive producer to bring them down to the ground where they can be held. I'll leave you with the story because I'm hoping we've generated a lot of thoughts and then you can wrap us up here. When my wife, Jeannie, was dying and I had to attend to this and it all happened very suddenly, one of my friends said, 
I'm sending somebody from the hotel over. My Jeannie died in a hotel in Florida. And he said, I'm sending somebody over to get your calendar. And they just walked in, a bellman or somebody, and I handed them the calendar. And that was it. And what had happened was now I was attending to the vigil, the death, the services, and so forth and so on. And this good friend of mine took my calendar went to other friends in our business who are also facilitators and took every gig on my calendar and made sure it was covered for me. Because if I don't do the gig, I don't get a paycheck. And he made sure that they were covered. So he just, all he said was, give me your calendar. And I never thought about it again. Six weeks later, when I'm sort of past this and I'm getting back into work, he says, did you send the invoices for that? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, did you send the invoice for all those gigs? Jan did some, Bill did some, Renee did some. I said, well, I just assumed they would send their own invoices. He said, no, 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 no. We want you to have the money. We did that for you. You collect the money. <laughs> I'm almost tearing up hearing this story. True story. I've talked with you enough. I know. That's incredible. That's just incredible. Such selflessness such compassion, such empathy, such caring. Everyone should work with, work for, know, have friends, have family that step up for folks the way these folks stepped up for you. Do you know what? I'm proving my point. It took something of that magnitude for me to wake up and realize how much I am loved. Wow. Yep. All right. Take us out of here. Hope we made people think. (laughs) All right. We'll just be done here. That's a fantastic story. And I think a fantastic way to close out this concept, this, this idea that we've been talking about today. I won't bore everybody with the usual spiel. I will just say thank you as always for listening and to hear more great stories like this and more lessons on not just leadership, but on life and compassion and caring and empathy for yourself and for others in the workplace, please check out sheerclarity.com. We will be back next week with more great advice to help you become the consummate leader by attraction. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.